Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to this installment of the Diardro Show. My name is Brian Diardo. We're going to be having the other uh, host, Brian Rosen, join us here in just a couple of minutes. Uh, he said he has to vent about something, so you're going to get a, uh, a treat whenever Brian calls in. I don't honestly know uh, what he wants to vent about, but uh, he said he, he's got this one. So uh, I'm not sure if it's about the Cavaliers. Um, this is being broadcasted on uh, Monday night. Uh, Cleveland, as I speak, is down 12 points to the lowly Dallas Mavericks. I believe Dallas is 17-30 and 30 so far on the season, so uh, would be a pretty bad loss for Cleveland, given you know they are playing just two days after a uh, very impressive win over the Oklahoma City Thunder, albeit Oklahoma City isn't the team that uh, uh, they were a couple of years ago. But uh, So, yeah, as I mentioned at the top of the broadcast just a minute ago that uh, uh, our other host, Brian, who's, who's calling in now, we'll get him he- on here, he said he has something to say. So uh, with that, Brian, I'm going to give you the uh, the show, but I hope your night's going well. And I already kind of told the listeners that uh, you've got something in store for us. Yeah, I I hope you're doing better than I am. I'm just I'm in. It's not all sports related, but kind of in a pissy mood tonight. I, I hate to say it, but kind of am. I uh, <sighs> what it, Cavs wise, what you know? I I said I was not going to get upset this year. Not going to get upset because I know the Cavs are going to make the finals. So what could possibly happen during the regular season that would upset me? And I've said pre- previous podcasts, I'm not going to be upset. And I'm finally upset. And honestly, I'm upset for one reason, and that's it. There's only one thing that's bothering me, and it's really, really bothering me a lot. And that is LeBron's minutes. Now, just just to give people perspective, since you can listen to you know the podcast anytime. As we're doing this podcast, I don't know because we're doing the podcast. I don't even care at all about what the score is. But you'll know by the time you listen to this if the Cavs beat the Mavericks or not. What I know about the Cavs-Mavericks game is that it, 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 the Cavs played last, played on Sunday, so you played yesterday, and they're going to play on Wednesdays. So it's three games and four nights. And LeBron James leads the league in minutes. And the only thing that really matters is to have the best LeBron possible when it's all said and done and we face the Warriors at the end. And he's, at, he's leading the league in minutes. And it's so frustrating. Tonight. The Cavs, whether they win or lose, I'm assuming that they're going to lose based on what happened. But whether they win or lose is irrelevant because the Cavs don't need home court advantage in the, through the Eastern Conference. They're not going to get it against the Warriors. So as much as, yes, I would like to win, and I hope the Cavs did win this Mavericks game, it, it's irrelevant. It, what, what matters is, again, LeBron is playing two minutes. He played 31 minutes through the third quarter and came out to start the fourth. It just – I don't understand why we are prioritizing trying to win. And by the way, the Cavs are in a rut. They're not even winning over the bigger picture and keeping LeBron as fresh as possible. So that's, that's my beat. That is the number one contributor to the, as I said, pissy mood that I'm in. So Brian, what say you? I'm with you, man. Like I'm watching this game right now. I mean, as the Steelers season ended, I said, okay, it's time to time to get ramped back up in uh, Cavs basketball. And I, I've watched the entire game, and you can just—I mean, dude, it's weird. Like, you know, like I'll, I'll put my head down, and I'll like, you know, after commercial, I'll be like, okay, oh, all right, well, LeBron's still on on the court. Okay, then I, you know, I'll watch, and then they'll go back to commercial, then they'll go back on. It's like, oh, LeBron, LeBron's still out there. And you know this, Brian. You've watched him a lot more than me. He will show you non-verbally 
Um, like LeBron, I give LeBron credit for this. Like I know he blew up was it last week or two weeks ago, but I do think that he will. He's a ticking time bomb for a while, and he'll, he's you know almost like a volcano where it'll fester for a while. And I, you, I could definitely see it happening again because it's one of those things where he blew up, and then I'm sure he talked with management. You, obviously, you know all the Winhurst reports and all that stuff. And then it seems like everything. I don't want to say it was kumbaya. But at least, like, LeBron gave those statements that you have to make when you kind of rip the organization and then you try to, like, put the Band-Aids on everything. But I'm telling you what, man, like, watching his just his physical state tonight, I mean, nothing will ever be – I don't even want to compare it to, like, you know, Boston, you know, back 2010 and all that stuff. Nothing compares to that. But you can just tell in this game, he's just gotten to the point where he's – he. it's not that he doesn't want to win this game, Brian. I mean, they're down 14 now midway, you know, six minutes left and change left in the fourth, but when this, when this broadcast, podcast is being done. But he just looks kind of like, you know, whatever. Like, I'm resigned to losing this game. Like, it's, it's, if we lose, it's not because of me. And I totally agree with you, man. Like, at, at, at 32 years of age, I mean, this is exactly what he dealt with in Miami in 2014. I mean, he was, he was kind of the, the rented mule there, and he was logging all these heavy minutes when, when Dwayne Wade was sitting on the bench, he was, and he was kind of like, you know, obviously for different reasons. Like, back then – he was the younger guy on a more veteran team. Now he's by far the oldest guy on the team. I mean, the, the oldest big player. I mean, I get Jefferson is older. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I'm with you. I don't know if it's going to be that pressing. But, I mean, Kobe Bryant, he started breaking down at 34 years old because he was doing too much. Now, that being said, I think LeBron in previous years has done a better job um, working, you know, not logging big minutes. So I don't think he's going to just fall apart at 32 or 34. Uh, but – if you're right, man, like he's averaging, I think, what, 35 points per game. That's not good. I mean, uh, do you see them? You know, like, like, all right, so, like, what do you think, Brian? Like, who do you think they're going to bring in? Like, it, it, and how much of the rumors are true when, you know, all I heard today, honestly, was about how, you know, it, it's, pretty, it's pretty much a race between Carmelo and Dwayne Wade trying to land on Cleveland's team. I mean, do you think that, A, is what Cleveland needs, and, B, do you think that's going to happen, one of those two trades? I mean, I, I don't want this to come out as a cop-out answer. Truly, I mean this. I trust David Griffin. I know he's going to do whatever he needs to do to have this roster be a little bit stronger, if that's what it takes. I'm still not 100% convinced that this roster is so bad, but clearly it, it's a little bit older, and there there's some help that's needed. So that that's fine. Um, I don't care. I mean, the whole... Carmelo thing again. That's ESPN has to continue to be ESPN. They've got to do what they got to do. They right. got to talk about it. It, yeah, it kills me. I wish nobody listened to them. They'd go bankrupt. It frustrates me because I hate them passionately. But it's it's not going to happen. They're going to continue to thrive and be successful, and then talk about this kind of you know bullshit. But uh, you know, Carmelo Anthony, I don't possibly, I can't possibly fathom how that would make any sense. So I'm not going to really worry about it. Uh, the guy is, is a terrible teammate. He's not a great basketball player. He's a great scorer. He does one thing well, and while he is a great scorer, an elite scorer, uh, a borderline Hall of Fame scorer, he is that, he is that good. The, all the negatives outweigh, plus the contract. So I don't – if that happens, I would be so shocked. And I haven't heard anything about Dwayne Wade. I, I, I don't really – I'm not going to say that obviously Dwayne Wade would be an upgrade over what we have, but I'm not a big fan of Dwayne Wade at this age, at his age right now. 
So I don't see that being an option. So in all honesty, I expect that whatever needs to get done for the backup point guard or whatever it needs to be, the Cavs will do what they need to do to make enough improvements to the roster to have it ready. But, again, this is all going to be moot and irrelevant if you don't have the, the best prepared possible. And tonight, this Dallas game was, again, and I don't mean to hire back on it, but I'm just so frustrated by it. This is like the perfect example of a game where there's no reason to play LeBron. You played Oklahoma City, uh, a, a game you get up for, a nationally televised game. You played pretty well in that game. You're going to Dallas to play one of the worst teams in the league, albeit a team that's well coached and still has some, you know, decent players on it. And like this is the type of game where you figure you got a good chance to lose and let down. So why even worry about losing? Just lose. Don't play LeBron. And like I said, now it appears the Cavs actually are going to. It's going to be a double whammy. They're going to lose the game, and they're going to go out and have played LeBron all these minutes that was unnecessary. So right. I don't get it. I don't understand. Well, I like your answer, though. And it's funny because, you know, I did a Facebook Live before we did our podcast tonight, and I had Steeler fans that saying, hey, what happens if Ben leaves? I said, I trust the Roonies. I trust uh, I trust our general manager. Like, they're the ones that drafted Ben. And, and people were saying, oh, you know, is are we really going to consider bringing in Romo? And it's kind of like, well, listen, if we bring in Romo, what's the big deal? Like, what's wrong with that? Like, this team is built to win now. Like, I know he played for Dallas, so you don't like Romo for that reason. But you take away the fact that he played for Dallas, like, you know, he would be the most capable quarterback on the team right now if Ben went down. Like, I don't see any other options. I mean, maybe A.J. McCarron if Cincinnati wants to wants to pull a trade. But, I mean, you want A.J. McC- or AJ McCarron over uh, Tony Romo, no thank you. So, no, man, I don't think it's it's not a hot answer. It's not, it's not a sexy answer, but it, it, it's accurate in itself. And I think, I think personally, if, if you bring in Carmelo, I think that could maybe put a Band-Aid over things. It's a permanent fix for, like, next year moving forward. I'm not really sure. But when you look at just getting, you know, like, just from the star power, uh, you bring in a Carmelo, and you can have somebody that can score and handle the scoring a lot when, they Kyrie wants to focus on passing or LeBron's not necessarily in the game or God forbid another injury happens, um, he can really do a lot. Now, I don't that being said, I don't know exactly how he would fit into the Cavs, but I, I think Carmelo actually might happen. Um, I mean, God, I have to absolutely zero sources, but I'm, I'm just saying I think I think where he's at with New York, I mean it's just New York's it, New York's just not working. And it, it's one of those things where, you know, I'm old enough to remember Phil and the and the uh, Knicks or I'm sorry, the Bulls and I'm not the Knicks. I'm not trying to fix me to remember his But that being said, I want I want things to happen. Right? I think it's evident now. And, uh, but yeah, Brian. I mean, I do got to ask you one thing. You said we got on the podcast right away. You were like, well, you know, I don't have any fears that they're not going to go to the finals. I mean, do you still not have those fears? Because again, I mean, this bench is not good. I mean, go ahead. Yeah, I, I, I mean this. It's a bench that is basically the same as last year, except for Delhi. And no offense to Delhi, he's not going to make that much of a difference. And again, I am expecting that, that the backup point guard position will be addressed properly. Um, but yeah, I, like, I'm not concerned about going to the finals at all. I'm not sitting here saying to you that if the Cavs had to play San Antonio in, in, in a conference finals, obviously you can't, they're in different conferences, that I would think we'd win. I'm not 
saying that for sure, but right. yeah, there's no doubt. The East is horrible. The Cavs will get there, but you know what? Who, I mean, that isn't what matters. What matters is, is, is trying to win the NBA Finals, and obviously the Cavs, like they were last year, will be a underdog, and I'm fine with that. But, you know, if LeBron isn't in a position where he's got enough energy – then it's going to be a miserable series. It's going to be a sweep or a four-game or a five-game series. It's going to be a terrible NBA Finals. And, again, I mean, it, it just I don't I just don't understand what the end game is. Is it really that important to, have, to be the number one overall seed? And the funniest thing is, if the Cavs have been struggling, the Raptors have been terrible, the Celtics right. or whatever. So Cavs could, could have a bad record down there and still find a way to be the number one overall seed in the East. But if it doesn't happen, again, who cares? It doesn't, what, what are you so afraid right. of that about any of these other teams that it matters to try to go and win on the road? So, I don't know. That's it's frustrating. What can you do? I don't know. I will say I would love to talk about one positive thing that happened on the weekend that I'm very excited about, and that is, that I'm really happy for Cam Atkinson had three goals and helped the Metropolitan Division win the NHL All-Star Game, which I don't know if you got a chance to watch, but I love what they do. Three-on-three tournament, division versus division, and I was really happy for Cam that he got a chance to, to help the team win. Not that it really makes a difference too much, but it's, it's a nice feeling, especially for a first-time All-Star who's having a great year to be an integral part of helping to win the All-Star Game. So... That was one big positive. I'm very happy. I'm excited to, to watch the Blue Jackets here coming up. The Jackets have a brutal, brutal schedule. Uh, play a ton of great teams. Obviously, the division is stacked, but I believe they, they face Pittsburgh. They got the Rangers coming up. I'm not sure about the order, but the Canadiens come up again. They, they face, pretty sure in the next month, the Rangers and the Penguins, both teams twice. So... It's going to be a difficult schedule, but I'm excited to see how they respond. Uh, they needed the break big time. They, they got the break and uh, excited against some really top competition to see how the, how the Jackets stack up. Yeah, it's funny. Right now they're currently yeah. at 68 points, which uh, that is second best in the Eastern Conference. Right behind Washington with 72 points. And overall it's the third best record in the entire NHL because you look over the Western Conference, uh, Minnesota is the only team uh, that has more than 68 points. They have 69. Chicago second with uh, 65. Then you've got last year's Western Conference champion, San Jose, tied above the Pacific Division with 64 points with Edmonton. But, uh, yeah, when you look at Columbus and you look at the Mets division, I, I still think it's the best division in, uh, in hockey. And I will say this, Brian, I agree with you on the NHL – or I'm sorry, ESPN, with, uh, when you kind of you – know, you're critical of them rightfully on a lot of things. Their NHL coverage is small as it is with Barry Melrose. And I actually got a, a funny story. I actually ran into Levy and Melrose before game one of the NHL finals. But, see, I never get starstruck with athletes. I get starstruck sometimes with coaches and broadcasters. I was starstruck once because I was on the same elevator as Trestle before a Buckeye basketball game, I think, 10 years ago. And uh, off topic, but uh, Kyle Korver is absolutely terrible. He needs to have a positive game. He is, is playing awful. Back to hockey. <laughs> but, you know, the Met has started to kind of come down to earth a little bit, and that's kind of expected. It, well, with the exception of Washington, you've got Columbus winning five of their last five, the Rangers five out of their last ten, like Columbus, and Pittsburgh five out of their last ten. Um, but 
obviously that has kind of enabled Washington going 8-1-1 their last 10 to kind of move ahead. But like you said, Brian, I mean, this is really, you know, I still stand by what we said in previous podcasts, which is that I believe the Blue Jackets are going to make the playoffs. Like, it would take a catastrophic, like, collapse and or a bad injury to Bob or someone or Atkinson. Um, as you alluded to, at a big all-star game. And, it, and I do like the way they do the all-star game. I think the NHL does a good job with a lot of things. We, we can touch more about that in a moment, but I wanted to kind of wrap uh, kind of a Blue Jackets preview here up. This is, to me, the final stretch here, right here, is for seeding. Are they going to actually put their foot down and, and really fight for, for home ice in the playoffs? And I think home ice in the playoffs is huge, just just like any sport. Um, but I think it might even loom larger in hockey. I mean, just the less travel, the home ice, and especially a city like Columbus. I mean, I mean Brian, it, it, it's tough for you now because, you know, since in the LeBron era, the Cavs have been in the playoffs a bunch. Um, um, but I don't know if you've been in an environment where a team hasn't, had, hasn't hosted many playoff games in a while. I mean, maybe the Indians recently. But, um, you know, nationwide when they host playoff games, the atmosphere uh, is second to none. I mean, I've been to an NHL finals game now, and I can say that a regular – uh, NBA or you know, NHL playoff game that nationwide host is, is right up there. So uh, if the season ended today, Brian, they would actually host Pittsburgh in the first round. So uh, as a Penguin fan, I don't like that. And as a Blue Jacket fan, um, I don't know how a Blue Jacket fan would feel about that. I don't know if you want to chime in there, but uh, facing Pittsburgh potentially in the first round. Yeah, I mean, that would not, definitely don't want that because they're the champs and they're a tremendous hockey team. And their experience, that would definitely be a series that the Jackets would be the underdog, regardless of seeding. Um, So I don't know what's going to end up happening. Obviously, we'll see how things shake out. But I I do agree. I mean, it would be – the fans deserve it. You know, it would be really nice to see Columbus get get rewards. Much I talk about how irrelevant home court advantage is for the Cavs, it would be really nice to have home ice – the Jackets and let the Jackets play play this year, especially very well at Nationwide Arena. That there's a comfort level there, and I don't see any reason why the Jackets wouldn't have a very good shot to move forward um, if they can get home ice. So that that would be great. I would love would love to see that. And uh, and I agree. You know, you say you like like what the what they do hockey wise with the uh, the All Star Game, and I think I agree. I think it's great. I think. As a, as a more casual fan that is becoming more and more interested and learning more and enjoying hockey more as someone who didn't have an NHL team and didn't grow up on the sport, I really I love I love the three-on-three. It's open ice. It's really entertaining to get a chance to, to see, you know, to see that kind of, you know, situation happen. I, I think it's a lot of fun, so... I'm I'm very pleased with with everything that, that that's going on there. Uh, I do want to shift to your favorite event of the year, the Super Bowl, Super Sunday coming up. Uh, you have, I think, a classic case for a lot of people uh, of good versus evil. Maybe more so evil than good, you know, because it's the Patriots are a team. Unless you're a fan, you probably don't like them, and that's justifiable because of the issues they've had with cheating. But more than that, it's not the cheating, it's the win. And they win and they win and they don't stop winning. And they're a great organization regardless of, of what they've done and how you feel about certain things that, that have happened with the Flake Gate and Spygate and whatever other gate there, there has been or will be. Um, but 
I think from that perspective, it is fun as a fan, and I you know what your thoughts on this, kind of going in because I think even the casual fan will go into this game pretty excited with the idea of, hey, you know, even though it, it doesn't seem likely necessarily, like, you know, go Falcons. Let's, let's see if the Falcons can go ahead and, and pull uh, a, a big upset here. That would be a nice, uh, a nice situation. Well, it's funny because you know, to me, you know, I'm Super Bowl guy. We we know this. We've talked about it a lot. I'm glad we shifted. Real quick on the NHL, they did a top 100 players of all time uh, the night or the night or two two nights before the All Star game. It was fantastic. Evgeny Malkin left off the 100 team though. He's 14th all time in points per game. I was I was upset about that. Sydney was obviously in it. A bunch of other Penguins, Lemieux, whatever. Not happy that Malkin wasn't in the top 100. That's absolutely absurd. He's won every single award you can win. Now back back to the Super Bowl. Matchups to me are always cool. You know, like, and, you know, I know Mike and Mike talked about this recently. Like, you know, Matt Ryan, Brian, I don't know exactly what you think about him, but, like, it's weird because he's kind of like in that Philip Rivers, like, school of very good, but you didn't win any rings, so where do we put you? Um, It's going to be funny to see if this game, because obviously, like, Quinn, Coach Quinn over, you know, in Atlanta – you know, he coached against Brady twice. Um, I'm sorry, once as, as the defensive coordinator in Super Bowl 49, you know, the last second one with the interception, Seattle won and everything like that. Um, or New England won, rather. Um, and then, uh, you know, Quinn was, you know, obviously Seattle's D.C. the year before when they absolutely overwhelmed uh, Peyton in Super Bowl 48. So he's been on both sides facing two, you know, two great quarterbacks. He's going to get a rematch with Brady. This is going to be the first time Brady faces – uh, the same defensive coordinator in a Super Bowl. So you, you've got those elements. I'm interested to see if this will turn into a shootout because Atlanta games tend to turn that way, or if this if this gets into a nasty kind of defensive affair. And I I think it'll be somewhere in the middle, um, you know, except for one uh, 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 Super Bowl um, that New England's played in, which was Super Bowl 38. Uh, oh, seems like my senior in high school so a long time ago. Uh, I mean, the one a few years ago was, was somewhat high-scoring. I mean, both teams were in the in mid to high 28s. But really, New England Super Bowls are, are lower-scoring games. It's more field position. Belichick will play it more close to the vest, like I said. I mean, and really, the Super Bowl four, uh, 38 final score, it was 14-10 to 10 going into the, the fourth, and I think the final score was 32-29. to 29. So it didn't really get, get really rolling into the second quarter or fourth quarter. Then all madness broke out. But, uh, yeah, I think, it'll be, I think it'll be a mix. Uh, you know, maybe like a twenty-four to twenty kind of game. It's going to be somewhere in the low, you know, low twenties. Um, like I said, I, I think there will be moments uh, where both offenses, uh, you know, shine and do some things. But I think in general, it's going to be, you know, just a battle of wills between Quinn and Belichick. And um, it's weird, Brian, because yeah, it, it's like you know, it's honestly, and I know a lot of people don't really uh, buy into a lot of this. I mean, the more I watch football, um, the more I understand how much uh, of the game is your mental preparation uh, before you get into the, to the to battle. I mean, really. Um, I remember that, that, that Broncos Super Bowl a few years ago. Um, you know, a lot of people hated that game, Brian. I, I don't know if you liked it or not. I mean, it, the one that Seattle uh, blew out Denver. Um, I loved it because I love seeing dominance at such a high level. Obviously, you want to see good scoring games. You want to see closed games. It would suck if every Super Bowl was like that. But I don't mind seeing dominance if one team is, is, is playing at that high of level and the other team just can't compete. So, obviously, Quinn's been a part of And, I mean, Seattle had 
New England beaten in that game. And I know a lot of people don't like Tom Brady, but I remember sitting back when they were down by 10 in the fourth and thinking, you know, if he can get himself in New England out of this hole, I'm always going to have respect for Brady. And he did, and I do. I have a lot of respect for him. And, and you know, I know there's there's been the gates, the plate gate, all that crap. Uh, you know, as a Steeler fan, it, you know, you, you sometimes you wonder. But at the end of the day, uh, they have as many rings as they deserve. And, and, and it's a – you know, I, I hate how everyone always says, well, if Belichick wins, he's the greatest. If Brady wins, he's the greatest. It's like, in what era? I mean, this era, of course, of course. Um, but it, it's hard to compare, man. But uh, I still don't know who I'm going to root for, though. I, I don't know. You know, I, I think it kind of – normally when the Steelers aren't in it in recent years, I just kind of sat back and just not, not really cared. I really don't remember the last time I watched the Super Bowl. Well, no, I want to – uh, the Giants beat New England both times, but I'll be honest, Seattle, I really could have cared less. Uh, and with New England, uh, I could have cared less. So um, I don't know. Who are you pulling for though? What, what, and, and, and what do you think is going to happen? I mean, do you, are you kind of with me there on, on the, it's going to be kind of a balanced game or, or do you think one side of the ball might dominate more than the other one? Well, it, I, it, I, it's interesting to me, I guess that, uh, that you uh, wouldn't, it wouldn't just be automatically rooting against New England. Uh, part of that, for those that don't know us as well, is that you are a genuinely good person, a really, really nice guy, and I am a bit of a curmudgeon, so the or hater, whatever you want to call it. So I guess that that's the difference between us. But I mean, yeah, I, there's no doubt to me that I want to see Atlanta win. I I don't think they're going to. I I just when push comes to shove, and it's obviously you could say, well, you know, I, I need some cojones. Because I don't like, I'm going to say I don't like to predict things until I see it happen. But but it's true. I'm I'm impressed that Atlanta's gotten this far. I would love to see them win it. I just don't see it happening. Uh, I think New England, you know, I mean New England's got the top scoring defense in football. It's very underrated, underappreciated defense overall. And Atlanta is not. And it's just simply for this point too. Atlanta is not nearly as strong defensively as New England is off uh, is offensively. And I think New England's a lot more apt to be able to or at least contain Atlanta's offense than vice versa. So I hope it's a good game. I'd like it to be a good game. I am I'm going into this game with the expectation that it will not be a good game. Uh, I think the Patriots will win and win pretty I hope I'm wrong. As I said, that would be something that would be really, really nice to – to see it be a great game, regardless, because of course, you know you want to see a good, see a good Super Bowl. So um, we'll see. We'll see what happens. I think definitely it's going to be imperative for Atlanta as the underdog to not make mistakes. They have to find a way to try to play turnover free, and they have to really do the best they can to, you know, try to, try to get a lead early. See if they can get themselves a lead early, and if they can get themselves a lead early, uh, let, let's see, you know, if they if they can make it stand up. That's that's sort of my take, uh, sort of my my take on it. It's cool, man. And you know, it's it, it's weird for me because, you know, if New England wins, it it obviously makes the Steelers look better because they lost to New England in the AFC Championship game. But to me, it's kind of I've always just kind of fallen into the lines of lately just. I want to see the best team win. I don't really care who it is. You know, I, I just like seeing whoever's the best team win. I don't like – and, 
you know, I don't like seeing games end on last second, you know, or big mistakes or bad officiating calls. I mean, that's normally my biggest thing. Like, I would love, love to see. I mean, there's never been a Super Bowl overtime. And the Patriots have stolen a few of those away. Uh, you know, so, I mean, that's kind of my, my big thing is I, I would love to see a Super Bowl overtime. Um, I would love to, you know, obviously see great performances. And I think at the end of the day, I think it would be really cool um, to see new uh, uh, Atlanta win. I mean, either way, which I love, is that you're going to see history. You're going to see either a team win their first Super Bowl ever in franchise history. Not that Atlanta has, like, the most history ever, but they've been around for a long time. I mean, they they were around before the uh, AFL-NFL merger of 1970. And to me now, that's kind of the benchmark. And really, I think the more uh, years go by, we're going to remember the 1970 AFL-NFL merger is really the dawn of of football, which is a shame because you're you're actually excluding the first uh, four Super Bowls when you do that. But I think even now when you see a lot of statistics, it's always the since the AFL NFL merger of seventy. Um, so I, you know, I, I you're going to see you know two traditional teams, one with four rings, one with no rings. Um, and so yeah, either way, like you're going to see either Atlanta win their first one, or you're going to see New England win five. That's never been done before by a coach quarterback combo. And like I said, man, like I don't like to get into the debates of who's the best ever. Cause I didn't see Montana play. I was too young. But when I was a really little kid, I mean, it was all about Joe Montana. Um, and I don't even think Tom Brady would tell you that he was better. Um, but, you know, and then, and then obviously Belichick. But, uh, man, I had to listen to Belichick's press conference last week. And the way he explains football and the way he looks at football, it's funny because it, it, it's, it's, it's complex, but it's not. He just, he just, he just doesn't he – just, he just remembers to talk about every single detail associated with football – when I think other coaches, A, don't notice the things he notices, or B, or B, they don't find it as important. But it's just all the little things that he sees are are just fantastic. So, um, but yeah, man, I wanted to ask, this is this is a random question, but, like, do you have a favorite Super Bowl? Like, would you have one that uh, is, fo- is fond of yours? I don't, you and me have never watched one together, if I'm not mistaken. Like, do you have one? Uh, let me ask you, if you had to guess, what do you think my answer is going to be? What do you think was the best Super Bowl? Let's say, see, what's funny is, and this is because I think you're such a Super Bowl guy, you know so much, you love the Super Bowl so much. I have to tell you, Brian, I really don't think that for a lot of people in, in their late, mid to late 20s, early 30s, whatever, uh, I don't really think it's a hard question for a lot of people. I really think most people would say what I would say, and that is Rams-Titans for sure, not even close. Yeah. Um, honestly, I mean, that to me was by far the best. It was It was actually two pretty likable teams, two very likable yeah. quarterbacks and stars. Obviously, Eddie George is a Buckeye. I've always loved, but, I mean, how could you not like Marshall Falk and, you know, Isaac Bruce and, and – uh, you know, that was, it was such a, it was two very likable teams. And, uh, so, I mean, yeah, I'm not saying there haven't been other good Super Bowls, but that to me was the best. And I think that, you know, as good as as Seattle, New England was, and I've said this before, as good as Seattle, New England was, it was completely ruined for me because by Pete Carroll, not giving it to Marshawn Lynch and thus preventing uh, an opportunity, I, w- I think for sure, for Seattle to win the football game. 
And I definitely think that it's it, 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 this Super Bowl would be more interesting if the Patriots lose that game for the simple fact that then people would be talking about over 10 years since the last Super Bowl for Brady, and it would be how important is this for Brady, how important is this for his legacy, and all that, when I don't think any of that's really being talked about as much as it would be otherwise. I mean, I, I, you know, there's, legacy is still always discussed, and it should be when it comes to the biggest game that you have. But I think that that would be the focal point of the coverage. That would be the big point of emphasis and interest for everybody. So, whoever, I mean, you know, excluding Steelers Super, Super Bowl, do you have a, a different one that you would you would put put over the Rams Titans? Yeah, thirty-two. Uh, see, I don't I don't want to say over. I would say. You know, and people always say, what's the best Super Bowl ever? See, to me, that's a tough question because, I mean, there's probably like, I think, 10 to 12 that are really a cut above. I mean, th- and actually, 34 happened 17 years ago today, believe it or not. So there, you picked a good one. <laughs> that, happened, that happened on this day and in, in, uh, in, in the year 2000. I remember, I remember the patch that 2000 on it. It was the first Super Bowl patch to just really emphasize the year because it was the start of the millennium. It was a big deal. Um, that was a great game. Another interesting fact, Steve McNair in that game still holds the record uh, for most rushing yards by a quarterback in a single Super Bowl game. He had 64 in that game, and most of it obviously in the second half. But that game was awesome. I mean, it, if I can just reminisce real quick about that one. Um, you know, it was 16 nothing at halftime, or 9-0 uh, at halftime. Then it stretched to 16 nothing, And then, I mean, then at that point it was pretty much Eddie George and – Steve McNair and just ramming the football. Eddie had that great second effort on his second touchdown. Aldal Greco with a field goal to tie the game. Uh, and then Kurt Warner threw that pass. And it, but I, I think that might be the best one ever. I mean, the thing is, the one, the one I'm about to say, it, I think it's just below, like not quite as good as 34. I mean, 34 is in the top five. I mean, that one, 49, as we discussed, with the Seattle interception. Um, uh, to me, it just depends on how you like your games to end. You them to end with offensive failure or, or greatness. <laughs> I mean, if you look at the the St. Louis game, I mean, it kind of had a little, you know, it had a little both. You had the Warner throw, then you had the tackle, but the Seattle one was mostly just failure. My favorite, um, 32, because I was 12 when that game happened, and you know, in my life to that point that I could remember wasn't which wasn't much. There was not any great Super Bowls uh, that I could remember. None. I mean. Super Bowl 25, I was I was five years old, so I don't remember that one. Um, it was probably playing with Ninja Turtles at that time, to be honest with you. And then Real the rest quick. of them in the 90s were bad. Yeah. Not not to interrupt you, I just would ask for myself and for the for the listeners, can you just please clarify when you say these Super Bowls who was in them? Because I'm not going to sit here oh, and have like you, real the Super Bowls. I know, and I'm guessing I'm not alone. So if you could, I would appreciate it. <laughs> I got you. I got you. Wait, 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 spot check me there. Uh, Packers, Broncos, Packers, Broncos with John Elway uh, and the dive that he made, the, the, the run that he had on third down. Uh, that one to me was cool because uh, even though Denver did beat Pittsburgh in the AFC Championship game, I was going in like, you know, cheering for, I'm cheering for Green Bay, I'm cheering for Green Bay. But as an AFC guy, you know, I watched Denver a lot more than I had watched uh, Green Bay. And Charles Davis, even though he was killing my Steelers, I just found his running really cool. Um, and Green Bay came out real quick. I mean, they were big favorites in that game. They had won the Super Bowl the previous year. Um, they took an early lead, and, and Charles Davis 
uh, got Denver back in that game, and he actually didn't rush for a single yard in the second quarter because he left the game with a migraine headache. He probably take his medication before the game. He always had migraine headaches. Uh, came back in the second half, rushed for nearly 100 yards alone in the second half, and uh, yeah, I mean, and that that was a great. Uh, it, it just captured the imagination, and then that probably changed everything for me. I mean, from that point on, I was just you know really entrenched in the Super Bowl. And then the next year, uh, we had an awful one, and, and then we did the next year, and then the Patriots came, and then they gave us some good ones. That is the one thing I will say about New England, and uh, honestly, Brian never really thought about it this way uh, until now. Is that New England kind of? I don't want to say see, they didn't save the Super Bowl. I don't want to go that far. But if you think about the best Super Bowls over the last 15 years, 16 years, I mean, most of them are New England Super Bowls. I mean, they haven't played in a bad one. They've all been decided by uh, uh, four points or less. All of them, all seven have been decided by – or six have been decided by four points or less. So it's kind of like you kind of have to hate New England, but, I mean, they've kind of made – that's why I'm going to watch. I mean, I remember, you know, when the AFC Championship game was winding down a week ago, a week plus ago, I was like, I'm not watching the Super Bowl. <laughs> by the time the game ended, it's like, it's a New England Super Bowl. Like, it's going to do well. It will be uh, exciting, you know what I mean? And, and, and I'm going to ask you this real quick, Brian, to kind of, you know, you mentioned uh, legacy and, you know, what Matt Ryan's playing for, what Belichick's playing for. And you're right. I mean, New England, honestly, you're right. It would be. 12 years now since they had won a Super Bowl if uh, if they just give the, the damn ball to Marshawn Lynch, um, pardon my French. But you, you talk about legacy, and that's why with, with Ben, a lot of fans, uh, and me too, Brian, I mean, I think last time we talked, I was like 80, 20, 90, 10, Ben's coming back. I'm going to be honest, I'm kind of moving down to the 65, 35 range. And um, because the thing is, I mean, the only reason why, I'm going to be honest, the only reason why Ben would come back to be honest at this point, would be for legacy. Because only four quarterbacks right now in, in NFL history have won. And you, I'm sure you can name them um, if you want to try. Uh, have won four Super Bowls, or, th- or at least three. Aikman, Montana, uh, Bradshaw, and Brady. He can be a part of that group. I mean, a part of that five. Uh, but it's one of those things where if that's the only reason why you're coming back, is that a good enough reason to come back? And I've been debating writing an article saying that I don't think Ben should come back because at this point he's just coming back to win a ring and when, and, and, and when you're coming back with that kind of uh, uh, veracity one of two things happens it galvanizes the rest of the troops or you run them into submission and you become an old angry Dan Marino which would be ironic that was Ben's favorite quarterback growing up him and Elway I mean do you kind of feel what I'm saying there or do you think I'm being a really big idiot and that I should be begging Ben to come back right now because in all honesty, to me, I'm honestly kind of accepting it, that if he retires, that I'm okay with it. I mean, do you need to come over here and punch me, or what are you thinking? Well, I guess what I would say is this is, here. here's a question I want to ask you, and that is, you say you would come back just for legacy. You not Is that you saying that you don't believe that the Steelers are a legitimate Super Bowl or championship contender next year? Because I certainly think they are. That 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 very simply, what what do you think? Are they not? You know what, Brian? We I wanted to actually talk to you about this on the docket. Here's what the here's what it is, man. They're on paper; they can win the Super Bowl. Yes, like it's not even a thought in my mind. But I don't know if Ben wants to play with 
be in that atmosphere anymore. And this is kind of where it's on Tomlin, where, you know, Antonio Brown had three celebration penalties this season, and I just glossed over all of them. And as he's getting fined, he's saying, you know, I pay in cash. He was kind of quoting Randy Moss, and he said it's nothing to a boss. And I glossed over all of that. When Now I kind of wake up this morning. It's like Antonio Brown's not a bad guy at all, but it's like he shouldn't have been doing those celebrations. You know, as dumb as the, those NFL rules are, they're still your boss. And, and just like all of us who go to work, you still have to follow the rules. And, uh, you know, uh, Le'Veon Bell, I don't know if you saw it today, uh, him and Skip Bales had this massive back and forth, and Bell just released this, uh, you know, uh, rap song. He called it uh, Shrimp Bayless. And then Skip responded. And honestly, Brian, I think, I think they're both uh, collaborating together. I think they're both in on it. It gives, be- it gives Bell – because then right away, Skip responded with a Facebook Live to talk about it. And I'll be honest, Brian, I was just like, I guess you started the podcast ranting about Cleveland and LeBron's lack of, of, of rest. I'm bitching about the fact that the Steelers this week so far have been in the media more than uh, the two teams that are in it because of, of stupid things. Obviously, Ben's retirement, I can live with that. But, you know, the Antonio stuff and there's a bunch of trade rumors with him. And uh, now Le'Veon Bell. I mean, it's one of those things, and I've been a big supporter of Le'Veon and the rapping on stuff because, hey, if you can make a buck outside of football, good for you. But to do it Super Bowl week and to do it – I mean, he said, Brian, in, his, in one of his lyrics, he's a Hall of Fame running back. Like, I mean, it's just kind of like – no. You're, first of all, no, you're not. You're, you're not. Not yet. Not even close. Not even close. And it, it – I just don't think Ben wants to be around that stuff anymore. And he even said it uh, during the interview when he kind of talked about retiring. He kind of said, you know, like, we just we live in a different world now where it's kind of about me and, and uh, you know, back after a big win when I was younger, like, you, you, you couldn't wait to, like, see your parents or you couldn't wait to, like, celebrate with your teammates. Well, now it's like everybody can't wait to go on, you know, see how many likes they get for a post after a win and all that stuff. And it's like, and that's why, to me, it's like, yes, they have the talent to win, but is the environment going to foster it? And this is all I'll say, and, and, and you can take it for wherever you want to go with it. Like, I, to me, Mike Tomlin has to show his himself as a coach this year, and not the X's and O's, but really towing a fine line where rip, rip Antonio on the sidelines during a game this year if he's doing that stuff. Uh you know, maybe tell Le'Veon Bell to cool it with the rapping um, to this degree, where it's the week of the Super Bowl. You know, your fans aren't happy you're not in the Super Bowl as it is, uh, and the fact that you got hurt last week and really didn't have any impact in the game. Um, you know, again, am I being a fickle fan? Am I being a fickle person? I don't know. But it rubbed me the wrong way, and I'm sure Ben, sitting wherever he is, it's not rubbing him well either. So I guess to kind of make this whole thing full circle, uh, to me, Brian, the culture in Pittsburgh has to change if they're going to win a Super Bowl, because the way it's currently constructed, because there are plenty of quiet guys on that team. Like, Ryan Chazier has become probably my favorite Steeler, not because he went to Ohio State, because that guy played in the Pro Bowl. He signed autographs uh, for the Steeler fans that were there. Um, you know, he did his shirtless thing on the field before the game. I mean, he, to me, represents the Steelers just as well as, uh, as anybody and more than Brown and Bell, because he actually loves the Steelers and likes being, loves being a part of it and showed it at the Pro Bowl, and I'm proud of him, but we need more of him and not as many Antonio Browns and Le'Veon Bells. So that's my thought on that, man. It, to me, it's, is the culture going to change in Pittsburgh? That, that to me, is the, is the real question. 
Well, that's certainly interesting. I think that everyone associates Pittsburgh with a certain culture, with a willingness, and we've talked about this before, with a willingness to get rid of a player in their seemingly in their prime because of, of character issues. Or saying, you know what, if you're trying to chase every last dollar and you're not going to sit within kind of our budget, then good luck. We'll find someone else. They draft well enough that they're able to do that and to be effective. So I think that, you, you know, that, that I didn't expect you to say that, but I, I, I like that you did because it does bring up a legitimate reason maybe why Ben wouldn't be there. But I, I think that, and look, maybe this comes back to legacy, but I think it's not legacy as much as pride. I, just, I would think a competitor, a true competitor, and Ben certainly is one, is not going to be willing to go out like that. I mean, that's a tough way to go out after the great career he's had. You're going to go out where you still clearly have years left, which is up to him, and that's fine. Others have done it. Barry Sanders did it. But you're going to go out after getting clobbered by your – you know, except for the Ravens, you know, your your biggest rival by the team that, you know, that is, is most sort of similar to you in the AFC as far as quality is concerned. Um, and, and both, there's they're, they're sort of a way you do it as a Patriot, way you do it as a Steeler. So I do think that that, that is something that, that, that should come up, you know, that, that Mike Tomlin should be under some fire for that. I think that yeah. you have to – who you are, and even though you know the culture is is what it is, people are 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 different, and people are are whatever. Um, you know, I I I definitely do think that uh, you do have to kind of be cognizant of what is Steeler football, Steelers football, and what who, who are you trying to be. Um, so that that uh, it definitely is fascinating from from that perspective. So. Um, as far as I do want to kind of, you know, just one more sort of question about, about the Super Bowl. It goes back a little bit to what we, what we talked about, but, um, you know, when you talk about greatest games, greatest mm-hmm. sporting events, a, a good example would be in college football. And this is, this will lead to a, to a question. This will be a long winded question to you. So when you think about great, college football championship games. Certainly this past one was up there. But prior to that, you thought a lot about Ohio State, not just because, you know, went to Ohio State, but because it was a great game against Miami. And then you think about uh, the USC-Texas game. So here's kind of where the question is. So I know if you ask me which was the better game, I'm going to say USC-Texas for the simple fact that I know USC-Texas was a really entertaining up-and-down game the entire time. So it depends on what you like. If you're looking for a little more defense, certainly you got it in, in the Miami-Ohio State game. It's not that there weren't many highlight plays, but it wasn't from start to finish the exciting game that the Texas-USC game was. So for me, I think definitely it would be Texas-USC. So that kind of brings me to the question is, I haven't watched the Titans-Rams game in a long time, to be fair. So I guess my question to you is, am I overhyping it because the finish was so great? Or was it a game, because you know so much about Super Bowls, was it a game that really was very entertaining from start to finish? Versus, are there other Super Bowls? Do you think that were maybe better overall games from the standpoint of 
They were up and down. They were exciting. They were close the entire game. That that that's kind of my my question. If if, if that makes sense, what am am I and are a lot of people overvaluing an amazing finish and thus saying this is our favorite Super Bowl by far? And I was pretty divisive about that because of the ending. Or was there more to that game that should be appreciated beyond just just the final end? And you're you're referring to the to the Titans Rams one, right? Yeah. Well, that see, okay, that's a tough, that's a good question, bud. Because here's the thing, John NFL Network just called Super Bowl uh, thirteen Steelers Cowboys the second the second uh, the rematch in '79, which I love because Rocky two is the rematch of Rocky and Apollo. And the first time the Steelers and Cowboys faced was in 76. So it was kind of like Rocky and Apollo. Again, I digress badly. But anyways, uh, NFL never called that one the best Super Bowl ever. Um, and I agree. But the funny part about that game was the Steelers blew it open with six minutes left, had an 18-point lead, and then played back in a prevent. Dallas scored two touchdowns to make it close and then tried non-side with 22 seconds left. The Steelers recovered it, and then that was it. So really, honestly, the last six minutes of Super Bowl thirteen weren't that climactic. Like if you compare the last six minutes of Super Bowl thirteen to the last six minutes of Super Bowl thirty four, it's like not even close. It's not even close how much better uh Super Bowl thirty four is. But when you compare but 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 the fifty four minutes uh before that, I mean Super Bowl thirteen is the most competitive Super Bowl I mean, almost from start to finish. I mean, in terms of um, just points scored, drama, controversy. There was everything you wanted was in that game. It was just, and I, will, I mean, Dallas did when it was when, when Dallas was only down eleven with two minutes left in driving. There was that thought that you know, okay, they could get the onside kick and do something, but it wasn't nearly uh, the drama that existed in thirty-four. I mean, you know, Brian, being a broadcaster, you can just feel it in the announcers' voices in thirteen. Everybody can kind of tell that, you know, Dallas Pride probably lost the game. It's more of a for pride kind of deal. Even though you know a Staubach, they can do it. Um, I, I think – and that's a good question, man. I mean, and I think that's why 34 isn't the best one ever because it was 9 nothing in the first half. And the greatest show on turf couldn't score in the red zone, and it just wasn't – but I don't think that takes away from it. I mean, obviously, like I said, it's still a top-five Super Bowl – um, that's where, again, you have to value what's more important to you, the great ending or the great game. And, again, again, like that's why uh, even the James Harrison and Antonio Holmes Super Bowl with the Steelers, that one really wasn't a great game most of the way. The Steelers kind of had control. Uh, then Arizona had a late run. Then Pittsburgh kind of had to come back and win that game. Uh, that's why, to me, this, is, this might surprise you. I hold 42 in really high regard, even though there were no scoring, there was no scoring in the second and third quarters because of the fact that New England was undefeated and you just kept waiting. And from my vantage point, watching that game nine years ago, you just kept waiting for New England to, to just run away with it. You know, they had Randy Moss, Les Welker, Lawrence Maroney. They had all these weapons on offense. Uh, they had that defense with Seymour and Harrison and Bruschi. You, just, you thought at some point they would start overwhelming new, uh, the Giants. They didn't. And that's why, to me, I don't know, I put 42 in high in a very, very high regard. I mean, just from the standpoint that uh, the entire game was good, the entire game was close. And that's why 49 with Seattle and New England, I put them in there. But uh, 
I don't know, Brian. There, there is some about me in that that last second. And I know you like the Bills. I don't know what you where you would put twenty five because that that is also one of those Super Bowls that you have to put in the top five and the top ten. That was also a fantastic game from start to finish. But how high can you put a game that ended on a missed field goal, though? You know what I'm saying? Like to me, you can't call a Super Bowl that that ended on a missed field goal the best Super Bowl ever. Yeah, I mean, obviously, what's fun about the discussion, what makes it a great discussion, is it's all subjective. Um, yeah, and yeah, if that field goal goes in, if the field goal goes in, the interesting thing is that was correct me if I'm wrong. That was the first Super Bowl, right? That the Bills were in the first of four. Yeah, that's the first one. So, I mean, that's the interesting thing is the Bills weren't even the Bills at that point. And when I say that, I mean the the reputation of always, you know, uh, uh, of not being able to win the big one wasn't even there at that point. So I think that would be regarded as a great, great Super Bowl. But imagine if that was the fourth Super Bowl and the kick goes in instead of it instead of it not going in, then that would have probably be considered the best Super Bowl ever because then it would be such a great story. It would be very similar to the Cubs, which I hate that idea that, that because Chicago won, but I'm not going to get into that. But I'm, I'll be respectful enough to say I know that was a big deal. And the Indians, or I'm sorry, the, the Cavaliers, the city of Cleveland, what, what, what we went through. So I think when you factor all that in, that definitely makes something a bigger deal. It just depends on, like you said, what, is it the ending? Is it the full game? Really varies a great deal. So um, any, any final thoughts? Anything else you want to discuss here as we, uh, as we wrap this up? And, that, uh, you know, I go to other, other various social medias to complain about uh, Tehran Lou's, uh, you know, BS with the minutes. <laughs> well, real quick, I, we got to end with predictions, man. We wouldn't be gas bags if we didn't, and I already got mine. So I'm. We got to end with a prediction, but I will say one thing, and this this kind of goes back to to the one podcast that we did a little bit ago, which to me kind of. I'm just gonna go ahead and re say it real quick, uh, and then I'll give my prediction. I'll give it back to you to close this out, Brian. Um, enjoy being a fan of your team, and I got a great uh, drunken. Um, uh, piece of advice from a friend's friend that I played fantasy football with. And he's not a, a, a big sports fan, not, not as big as me. And I was talking about sports, and you know me, going kind of on a rant. He looked at me and said, just let sports happen, man. And that's the thing. Even with you, Brian, with the Cavs, and, I, and, and I'm with you. It's tough watching these minutes and them not winning and uh, with the Steelers losing the AFC Championship game. Sometimes you just have to let sports happen and trust the process, just like you are with Griffin, just like, like I am with the Steelers and their GM. You know, you, you just have to have faith sometimes and let sports happen because uh, there's normally a reason why things happen, and normally you have to go through adversity before you can reach success. Now on to my prediction. I'm going to go Atlanta, and I'm going to go 30-27, to 27, and why not, man? Let, let's make it the first overtime in Super Bowl history. I think New England kind of starts out slow and then gets hot, and then Atlanta finishes the job in overtime. Why not? Let's go Atlanta. Let's go 30-27. to 27. And the Steelers still have a two Super Bowl lead over the Patriots, so that that's what I like. And I'll leave it back to you. Well, I'll admit I and I knew just off of memory that the Patriots played some great Super Bowls. You know, obviously their first one over St. Louis was great. You know, the Panthers jumps obviously the you know the the Giants games, but. Um, I did not know that. That's a great stat. And that excites me. That encourages me. I'm going to end this on a positive note as opposed to the, the frustration, negativity from the beginning. 
But that doesn't that that gives me some hope and some excitement that this could be a great Super Bowl. I haven't said that I'm not just just for that reason going to go and say I I've already said I expect the the Patriots to win easily. So I'm not going to then make a prediction and say it's going to be close. So I'm going to 21, um, 38-21 Patriots again. Hope it doesn't happen. I'd love your, uh, you know, your prediction. And I'm totally with you. I can't say enough. I've always wanted it to end in the Super Bowl, and that's part of the reason why I'm so mad and so frustrated by selfishly, you know, the what happened with the, with Seattle is, you know, I. I I want to I want to see overtime. I want to see a team I win or, or that I prefer to win. I don't want to see a team I don't want to win end up winning because of something like that. But I'm with you. No matter what happens, give me overtime and I'll be happy. I would love to see that happen. Uh, it would be wonderful. You know, obviously we've seen some great overtime games um, in the regular season and, and in championships and other sports. With in Ohio State, Miami certainly you know comes to mind would be great to see that happen. So we shall see. The only other thing I want to say is uh, a lot of you, when you listen to this, it will be February. It's almost February. I usually, I used to get very upset. February was my sports ball was over except for the Super Bowl. And then you had baseball was, hadn't quite started yet. And then you had basketball and hockey. Because the Cavs, despite the way they've been, obviously I'm into the Cavs. And because I'm so into the Blue Jackets, I'm excited for February. But I can't help but not really get jacked knowing that the Indians will play meaningless because it's, it's spring training, but they'll play an actual baseball game where they'll keep score at the end of the next month. Uh, we're getting closer. I'm starting to get that hot stove fever. I'm so ready, so jacked to watch the Indians. I wish the season started tomorrow, and I'll end with that. that uh, we'll see. I still feel great about the Cavs. I genuinely believe there's two legitimate championship contenders. I feel very good about the next several years for both professional sports teams in Cleveland. No disrespect to the Lake Area Monsters and the Cleveland Gladiators. And I think I think I covered all the teams, right? I'm not missing any professional yeah. sports teams in Cleveland, right? Yeah. Gladiators, Lake Area Monsters, Cleveland Cavaliers, Cleveland Indians. Yep, that should just about cover it. Didn't miss anybody. Certainly did not. On that note, for Mr. Diardo, I'm... Mr. Rosen, uh, the Yard Row podcast debut edition is in the books. Enjoy Super Bowl week. Hope Super Bowl is fantastic. And we will talk.